0: All right. Hey, a little bit of a smaller crowd today. At least everybody's kind of sitting towards the back, so it feels, feels that way. Um, but hey, during this series that we've been on now for about a month. All right. Thank you, Dave. appreciate that. <laughs> uh, my prayer is that our understanding and our appreciation and our anticipation and our hope in the renewal of all things is growing. And that it's awakening something in us, this... Uh, we've talked about an eternal imagination that maybe has kind of lied dormant uh, or uh, at least has, has been an underdeveloped asset in our faith. That that's maybe awakening in you. In the last two Sundays, we've looked at what a restored earth and what a restored physical body uh, will mean for us. Uh, and so we've dove into that. And with that new insight... My prayer is also that our desire to share that good news with others would be welling up in us as well. Uh, Because last week we finished, if you remember, kind of at the end of our message, taking a look at Jesus um, as he began his earthly ministry, reading from the scroll of Isaiah 61 and talking about what his mission on this earth was going to be. And so while we're kind of waiting for Christ to come again, uh, we need to be about the same things. So he talked about that we need to be people that are, that are preaching good news to those that are poor in spirit, that we need to be folks that would be helpful in, in, in people that are spiritually blind, kind of removing that blindness so they can see God for who he really is, that we would be people who would share the freedom that we've experienced to people who are enslaved in sin. Those are the things that Jesus spent his time doing. And that he's asking us to be doing those same things while we're waiting here with the time that we have on earth. So today we're going to journey into a conversation that I'm going to guess for most of you is going to be really uncomfortable. Yay, right? Okay, most of you are going to struggle with what we're going to talk about. But it's a topic that scripture is abundantly clear on. Okay, So we need to return to the verse where we started about a month ago. If you can open your Bibles to Matthew 19. This was the first verse that we read. It's page 895. Verses 27 through 29. It says this. Peter answered him, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much, and will inherit eternal life. Jesus is talking about rewards. Has anybody in here ever won a reward? Like for finding a dog or a cat or giving like, you know, a tip to a crime, like a call-in number, you know? Just one person? Nobody else has won a reward in your life. Yeah, it's kind of rare, right? And I would imagine that when you get that money, those people that, that win these rewards it probably feels a little bit awkward. It feels a little bit weird to be rewarded for doing the right thing. Seems a bit unwarranted, maybe just a a little bit selfish, I don't know. Um, But most of us would do the right thing for free, right? Thinking, yeah, I found your cat, but I don't really need money for that, right? Well, this passage is interesting because Peter basically asks, the what's-in-it-for-us question, okay? And maybe rightfully so. I mean, these disciples had, if you remember kind of how they're called, they, they left stuff behind, okay? We know Peter was married, but, but everybody else they had, you know, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, they left their family behind. They left their livelihoods behind to go and follow this, really at that time, kind of this unknown uh, traveling teacher named Jesus um Over the course of several years of doing this, um, there hadn 't been a really like big monetary gain from being a disciple of jesus their 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 status in society hasn't you know probably risen to what they thought it might okay and, and they 've really kind of been just wandering around like a bunch of homeless pilgrims for a while so So he asked this question um, and, and I just wondered as I was looking at this, I was like I wonder what the other disciples are thinking as Peter asks this question, right? Or some of them thinking, well, man, that's kind of brash. You know, I wonder if Jesus is going to be kind of angry at Peter for asking that question. And I bet there were some other guys that were like, it's about time. (laughs) Somebody stood up and kind of asked the compensation question, right? Like, dude, we've been in this for a couple of years now. What are we going to get out of this? Okay, But Jesus' response to Peter's question is is so interesting because he doesn't really seem bothered or alarmed or offended at all. In fact, in addition to, you know, the renewing of all things, right, that he's kind of promised talking about, the the earth and our physical, mental, emotional faculties, in addition to those things he says he's going to do, he also tells these guys, hey, you're going to sit on 12 thrones. That's pretty awesome, Right? having some power and authority, ruling, you're going to also get eternal life. Pretty big deal. In addition to that, Jesus piles it on even more, and he says, anything that you've sacrificed for the kingdom, I'm going to repay you a hundred times what you've given up. A hundred times. His answer sounds surprising, but it really shouldn't be. If we look through scripture, Jesus talks about this a lot, uh, of this idea of rewards. And he tells stories and and parables of how people steward what's been given to them. And in these stories, those that are faithful with a little tend to be rewarded with a lot. Okay? One of those stories you, you would find in Luke 19. And in this story, Jesus tells the story of a king. And this king is getting ready to go away for a trip. And he gathers up 10 of his servants, and he gives them three months, basically the equivalent of three months of their wage. And he says, I want you to put this money to work. When I return, I expect something back, right? More than what I gave you. And one guy in particular, um, it says, increase the money tenfold, okay? And so when Jesus, I'm sorry, when the king, which really is Jesus in the story, Gets back. This is what the king says. He says, well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. Ten cities. Like that's a lot for a lowly servant to all of a sudden receive and be responsible for. Likewise, parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25 Jesus talks about and rewards his faithful servants in that story and punishes the wicked ones. And Jesus says to the faithful, those who have loved and served the least in his kingdom, he says this, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's pretty heady stuff. Cities and kingdoms being given to those who prove Faithful. We're picking up on a theme here, right? John Eldridge, in his book we've been looking at, um, All Things New, had an interesting perspective on this practice. This was his quote. He said, Victorious king gladly rewards his faithful companions. It's a mindset almost entirely lost to our age. Who even talks about reward anymore? Who anticipates it, expects it? Honestly, I've never had one private conversation with any follower of Christ who spoke of their hope of being handsomely rewarded, not once, ever. This isn't virtue, friends. We have not exceeded the saints in Scripture itself in our humility. It's a sign of our complete and total bankruptcy. That's a pretty strong statement, isn't it? How many of you have ever had a conversation with another Christian about the rewards you anticipate getting in heaven? A couple, all right? Pretty rare conversation, right? Why is that? Here are several more examples that show how this central theme of rewards is the kingdom mindset. I just got several different verses here. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you, okay? Matthew 6, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues or on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Matthew 6.20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Matthew 16.27, for the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they have done and then Paul hops on the jam bandwagon here in Colossians whatever you do work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving okay and that's just drawn out five or six verses there are many many more that we could have picked as well finally, let's turn to the very back of the Bible. I'll just, I'll just read it for you. These are some of Jesus' last words in Scripture, Revelation twenty-two twelve. 12. Jesus says this, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Okay, there it is again, reward are often, rewards are often on the mind of Jesus. So I want you all to respond to this. Okay, reading those verses, this concept. How is this making you feel? How's it making you feel looking at those verses? Yeah? Like maybe we should be focusing on that a little more, talking about it, having conversations about it. Okay. So we can't wrap our head around it, so maybe that's why we don't have it. Don't okay. Yeah, maybe it's this concept we just can't wrap our head around. We ought seems like we ought to be talking about it more, but we're not. <laughs> okay. What else? What else are you feeling as you hear those verses? Yeah. Um concerned. Concerned? Maybe I'm not living in such a way that I'll receive some rewards. Okay. Concerned that maybe I'm not living in a way that I'll receive some rewards. Okay, we'll get into that later. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, why? I don't feel like I'm deserving it I don't feel like I deserve rewards. Josh. Um I'll say hopeful, just because I think when you make decisions that you know are right, that you've never seen or reap the benefits, yeah. Yeah, right? Those times when you, you feel like, man, I'm sacrificing, I'm stepping out here in my faith, I'm making some decisions maybe, <clears throat> you know, to adopt kids or take this job and that maybe doesn't pay as much as this other job, and, but I feel like it's what God wants me to do. I'm really hoping that all that stuff in the Bible is right, right? That someday there's going to be a reward for this possibly on the other side, Okay. So I imagine there's all kinds of different emotions or thoughts going on around this. And honestly, if it's something you've never thought about before, there might not be a whole lot of emotion at all. Who knows? But Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 9, 7. He writes, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Okay? Eldred's makes this observation. He says, God seems to be of the opinion that no one should be expected to sustain the rigors of the Christian life without very robust and concrete hopes of being brazenly rewarded for it. It's like God is acknowledging, this life I'm calling you to live is difficult. <laughs> All right. And because it is, I'm going to reward you for being faithful at kind of going against the flow. Well, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable about this rewards conversation so far, it only gets worse, okay? Because God's goodness gets even more ridiculous, now most of what we looked at so far are examples of people who have been rewarded for doing the right thing, or the good thing, or the faithful thing. And that kind of reward system kind of jives with how we think things should work, right? You, in our culture, you, you make good grades or you excel in a sport or a band instrument or a vocal, and then you might get a scholarship for doing that, okay? Or maybe you climb that tree and bring that cat down and, and, you know, the grandma in the neighborhood gives you 15 bucks for saving the cat. That, That makes sense to us, right? We do something good and we get a reward for doing it, okay? It fits the cultural narrative. But as I was reading through these scriptural examples this week of rewards, another story came to mind that just kind of rocks the boat a little bit. And it's a story that you'd find in Luke chapter 15 about the prodigal son. Okay, so the prodigal son story, many of you guys know that story. This man has two sons, the younger son, so the one that's not going to get as big of an, an inheritance as his older brother. For whatever reason, he comes to his father and he says, hey, I want my inheritance now before you die. <laughs> so it's a very rude Requests very self-centered request, but the father gives it to the son. Scripture says the son goes off to a foreign country and blows it all on wild living, okay? So he's the polar opposite of the faithful servant who multiplies the master's money, okay? He's the exact opposite of that story. And it gets so bad that the son, after he's blown all of his money, gets his job-tending pigs, and he's sitting there, Watching the pigs eat, thinking, man, that looks kind of good right now. I wish I could eat like these pigs are eating. And in that moment, it says that he kind of comes to his senses, and he's like, wait a minute. My father's servants eat better than I'm eating right now. Maybe if I apologize and go home, dad will let me just be a servant for him. At least I'll be better off than I am now. So he does. He, He heads back home, tail between his legs. Practicing his apology all the way, right? But when he gets close to home, his father sees him. who can tell me how his father responds? Just give me one thing, because he does a lot of things. What's one thing that his father does when he sees him coming up the road? What's that? He runs to him? Okay, what else? Puts a robe on him, Okay. Hugs him. What else? Throws a party party for him. What else? Puts a ring on his finger, right? He's back in the family, right? (laughs) Hugs him, kisses him. Okay, before he can even get the apology out. Doesn't even ask for an apology. He rewards him. What had the son done to deserve the reward besides blowing all of his dad's money and and then just coming to his senses? Not much, (laughs) right? I mean, he does like humble himself. He is repentant, acknowledges his sin. That's a good starting point at least. But when it comes to this concept of eternal rewards, we can feel a little bit like this lost son, right? Like we all are pretty aware of the fact that we tend to make a lot of mistakes, that our sin against God and others has implications, that people are are kind of paying for those sins almost daily. And we feel like, as somebody mentioned here, that we don't deserve anything. Yet, and here's the scandal of God's grace and love, the Father delights in us. And Scripture says that because we are called children of God, because we are His, Scripture says that He lavishes on us. I love that word. He lavishes love and grace and mercy and tenderness and compassion on us. If that's how God treats the screw-ups, oh man, I think that we're all in for a big surprise one day because we are serving a God who is an exponential rewarder, 10 times, 30 times, 60 times, 100 times what we feel like we might deserve. That's the kind of God that we serve. And I can't wait to see the red carpet awards ceremonies in heaven. To hear the stories of people who were just being kind, serving unnoticed in this complex and crowded world, but God sees it all. And he's going to make a big deal about it. And part of the equation will be that for once our stories will be told rightly, in full. And what I mean by that is this, because God only knows our inner thoughts. Right? Only He knows our unnoticed kindnesses, the prayers that we pray for other people. God has a a window and an insight into each one of us that nobody else does. He sees everything. I love that reminder in Matthew 6, 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I have this sense that we're not going to be rattling off our list of accomplishments before God. And the awards that we might expect to receive. I think we'll be a lot like the faithful servants in Matthew 25 who say, Lord, when did I find you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did did I find you hungry and feed you? Good servants don't tend to be keeping tabs of the good works they've done. I hope you guys understand this. For followers of Christ, there will not be a judgment day. Okay, our judgment's already been taken care of. We've been justified before the Father. We've been made right. We've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ by his blood. So while it might be judgment day for some people, for us, it's going to be rewards day. So what rewards are you looking forward to? What do you want your reception into the kingdom of heaven to look like? I remember uh, my high school Young Life leader. So uh, after I left high school, he moved to uh, Omaha or Lincoln actually, did Young Life up there for a few years And then he went to to work for an organization called Gallup. You've probably heard of the Gallup Poll Company. They do a lot of different things, but he went to work for them. Um, And I remember asking him, this is when I had started doing Young Life after years of teaching, um, hey, what do you like most about your new job? And this is what he said. He said, I like that they recognize the good work that I'm doing. I thought that was a really interesting answer, because you see, in ministry, there tends to be this whole thing of kind of just false humility, and I think that there tends to be this mindset that, well, we can't really pat people on the back for doing a good job because they might get prideful or arrogant, and so we kind of kind of keep things on the down low, right? It's, you know, being faithful, that's just kind of expected, and, and we don't need to make a big deal about it or reward you with a raise or whatever it might be, <laughs> And so I was listening um, to him talk, and I'm, you know, having been in ministry for a while, I was like, yeah, man, I get it. And shortly after this, um, I was at a restaurant having lunch. I was at On the Border, down on Berry Road. And I'm sitting there with just one other person in a little booth on the side, but right in the middle of us is this long table with about 20 people sitting there, all from the same company. And after they have lunch... Like um, a couple of their managers apparently kind of stand up, and they basically just have this big awards ceremony, and they're calling up their employees kind of one by one, and they're very, very uh, clearly pointing out and acknowledging, "Hey, here's so and so. She did an awesome job on this this group project that we were working on, or or this presentation that they did," and and, and being very specific about the ways in which this person really excelled in their job and benefited the company and the team as a result. And, and we're handing out like gift certificates. And, and I mean, I was like, man, can I come over and have lunch with you guys? I'll give you a list of some cool things I've done lately. Um, but I was just like sitting there thinking, these people get it. This secular company <laughs> gets it. How to reward people, how to, how to just come alongside people and celebrate their faithfulness, and recognize Him for that. And folks, I've got to be honest with you. (laughs) I'm really proud of Wellspring. I'm proud of the people who, in the very beginning of this church's existence, took a risk to just make this place possible, this kind of dream, this idea that we had. I'm proud of the things that we say we're about, we're actually doing, whether that's caring for vulnerable families or, or fostering or adopting or investing in the next generation or, or helping create a, a culture and an atmosphere where people are being healed and transformed, developing deep relationships with one another, or whether that's a way that we're, we're generally kind of tend to be a, a generous and a giving church, our faithful declaration of God's word. And I'm looking forward to the day when we're in heaven and our story gets to be told. And God kind of rolls out the red carpet and he begins calling up some of you guys to come down the aisle and be recognized. Because I feel like we've done a a good job stewarding the gift of this church that means a lot to a lot of people. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, you know what? I bet the stories that are going to be told aren't going to have anything to do with what goes on in this place on Sunday morning. As much as it will be about the time that you were faithful to give, maybe when money was a little bit tight. Or when you spent some extra time. Praying for your friend who you knew was in need Or maybe even one step further Maybe showing up on their doorstep at a, at a late hour Because their life was falling apart I bet he's going to recognize Maybe the, the folks that are over there In the one or two year old room right now Dealing with a kid who's just having a rough day He's going to say, man, you really love them well Or maybe you came alongside a kid At the guest house in our neighborhood And, and met them at a place Where they really needed a caring adult Or maybe he's going to say, I want this person to walk down. You know, they they mowed the grass a lot. They shoveled the snow. They cleaned the toilets at church and did it with a cheerful heart. And I saw that. I want to end with this quote. John Eldridge writes this. He says, if there is no cost to our Christian faith, how then shall we be rewarded? And may I point out that if we, too, would love to receive a hero's welcome, it helps to keep in mind that valiant deeds require desperate times. The desperate times are all around us, friends. Now for the valiant deeds. The desperate times are all around us, and they require valiant deeds. You know, just in a very practical uh, sense, an example uh, for for me in in terms of a a place I'm trying to step into, uh, a a desperate situation, um, hopefully, uh, in a valiant way, Um, I'm friends with, we've had uh, Kim Warren uh, from Mid-City Excellence, it's about five or six blocks down from us, Um, just been talking with her a lot the last few weeks about just the things going on in our world, and and the church in St. Joe's response. And honestly, in St. Joe's, there's really not a whole lot of interaction between um, Hispanic churches and African-American churches, mainly Caucasian churches, okay? Um, Not that there hasn't been a desire at times or or efforts, but, you know, her and I have been talking and she's been kind of getting together with people who are like-minded. And the other night on Facebook Live, she hosts kind of a, a conversation, and so there were several pastors on there from multiple ethnicities talking. Um, we're going to be gathering up to pray um, here in a couple weeks and, and just begin to have conversations of what does it look like for us to have a, a unified front as the body of Christ around just various challenging conversations in our city. And the, really, the answer to a lot of that is, is that it just takes time to develop relationships and to believe the best about one another and to really hear from each other. So that's a space I'm trying to step into. So a question I would have for you this morning is what courageous endeavor or opportunity lies before you? What courageous endeavor or opportunity lies before you? Desperate times require valiant deeds. (laughs) And it might not be changing the world, It might be having a courageous conversation with your spouse or your child or your parent. Whatever it is, run towards it. Knowing that your reward in heaven is great. That God sees those things and he exponentially rewards you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a a different conversation than we're used to having. A lot of times when we look at Scripture, we're seeing the, the life that you're calling us to lead and we're taking a look at our own and we're saying, oh man, I've got some room to grow there. And we feel convicted, maybe guilty, maybe shameful sometimes. And then we have a conversation like this that just kind of flips everything around and it's really more about, no, you see us you're pleased with us not based on our performance you're pleased with us because we're your child and you long to reward us you're looking for reasons to lavish good things on us sometimes when we don't even deserve it sometimes we don't even feel like we've really done anything in fact maybe sometimes we we feel like we've done the opposite like the prodigal son Lord, I just pray that you would help us to begin to to believe in your goodness, to believe how strongly and how how deeply you are for us. And, And that in that spirit, that maybe we would be people who would be looking around saying, who can we reward? Who can I affirm recognize, celebrate the way God one day will celebrate each one of us? How can I bring the taste of the kingdom here now in lavish ways, in ways that people don't even expect or see coming or feel like they deserve? Our our coworkers, our kids, whoever it might be, what would it look like for us to, to celebrate and reward in ways that just look preposterous? in their, in their um, gratuity, Lord, <laughs> to reflect your heart. Thank you, Father, that you see the little things. Thank you that you see past the outward appearance into the heart and the motives and the secret things we do that nobody else sees or maybe even acknowledges. But God, you don't miss anything. I was also thinking this week about that verse that says, like, you store up every tear that we've cried. Lord, you so intimately know us and you can't wait to open up the treasure chest to us one day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.